Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV. Radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. We have a ton to get to here today. First and foremost, I want to take a few seconds to say thank you. We launched my very first children's book one week ago today. And it was intended to be a pilot to see if it might spawn a series on America's Christian heritage. And I'm already getting bugged by my publisher. So when are we doing the next one of these? Because it has been a tremendous success. Uh, Amazon just ordered uh, thousands more today. So um, I just want to say thank you, Anna. My daughter just sent me a, a picture that someone had sent us of their kid reading the book. A lot of you have sent me those pictures of your kids and grandkids reading it. And I mean, that's the coolest I mean, that's the coolest thing of them all. I mean, that's that's why we did this. So I want to say thank you to all of you. If you've gotten the book and you liked it, you don't mind leaving us a review at Amazon. We would appreciate it for the rest of you. Uh, you can get your copy right now at Amazon.com. It is called Why Thanksgiving? The Pilgrims Started Thanksgiving for the same reason they came to America, because they loved God. As we turn the page now officially to Christmas season, Todd officially... Merry Christmas. Yes. I love Thanksgiving. It is an event. It is not a season. There are no Thanksgiving carols. It is a day. It is an event. It's a very important event in the history of this country, but a singular event it remains nevertheless. So if you are looking for a great Christmas gift for your kids or grandkids, you can pick up your copy today. Why Thanksgiving? The Pilgrims started America for the same reason that, or started Thanksgiving for the same reason they came to America because they loved God. Also, want to let you know about this because I have gotten a ton of questions about this as well. Yes, we are going to be a part of the Blazes election night coverage again, like we were in 2020. Um, there's a lot to cover here. Uh, if you want to get a copy, of something we're doing for the very first time, The Blaze has its own midterm election guide. You can receive a free copy of The Blaze's ultimate guide to the midterms straight into your inbox right now when you go to theblaze.com slash election guide. Get your copy today. Theblaze.com slash election guide is where you can go. That's theblaze.com slash election guide. All right, coming up on the show today, Rich Barris, the People's Pundit. He will join us here at the bottom of the hour. We'll get one more pre-election check-in with him because I have unveiled my final forecast for this election, and it is, shall we say, aggressive. Um, And I will get Rich's take on it and unveil it to you coming up here at the bottom of the hour. We will play fake news or not. And then... Because it is the, at least according to me, the official start of Christmas time today. We lost, I mean, we, we, we lost a lion when it comes to Christmas and Christmas tradition. We lost him recently. Um, a man who was part of a team that has brought unbridled, not even Erzin will diss this, has brought unbridled joy to generations of Americans. And do I have your permission to honor him here today? 
If it's who I think it is, yeah. yeah. Is that okay with you? Are you going to give me a surly look? Who are we doing? All right. Are you going to Are you going to douse me with vinegar like an antifa dude? So who are we talking about? Well, you'll find out when we get to the next hour of the okay. show. All right. So that'll be Pop Culture Tuesday coming up here in our final segment. But before we get to all of that, let us begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away, brought to you by Fascism in Action and TrialsAndExecution.com. What I'm about to read for you is a Twitter thread from Lee Feng. Feng is an investigative journalist with the publication The Intercept. You may have heard of it. It was founded by Glenn Greenwald, you may have heard of him, who left the publication just a few years ago after growing disillusioned with its increasing left-wing bent. I tell you this to let you know what you're about to hear is from a left-wing publication. So here it goes. Quote, Documents show Facebook and Twitter closely collaborating with Department of Homeland Security and FBI to police disinformation. Plans to expand censorship on topics like withdrawal from Afghanistan, origins of COVID, and information that undermines trust in financial institutions. FBI agent Laura Demlo was in communications with Facebook that led to the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story in 2020 over the false allegation that it was quote-unquote disinfo. This year, she met with Twitter and Department of Homeland Security to stress, quote, we need a media infrastructure that is held accountable. Facebook and Twitter created special portals for the government to rapidly request takedowns of content. The portals, along with non-government organizational partners, used to censor a wide range of content, including obvious parody accounts and content disagreeing with government pandemic policy. The emails and documents show close collaboration between DHS and private sector. Twitter's Vijaya Gad, fired by Elon Musk last week, met monthly with DHS to discuss censorship plans. A Microsoft executive texted the DHS, quote, platforms have got to get comfortable with government. How does the DHS justify its evolving mission from countering foreign terror groups to policing domestic disinfo on social media? Leaked planning documents show the agency argues false information is a source of radicalization and violence. Earlier this year, DHS launched a widely panned disinformation governance board, which it later shuttered following criticism. But the same agenda lives on with DHS sub-agency CISA, which argues disinformation is a threat to American quote-unquote critical infrastructure. Draft DHS Quad Review, which plans agency policy, leaked to us shows focus on MDM, misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation, to protect homeland against spread of quote-unquote toxic narratives. How the agency defines false info and what narratives are prioritized isn't clear. DHS official working on disinformation noted during an internal strategy discussion that the agency should use third-party nonprofits as a, quote, clearinghouse for information to avoid the appearance of government propaganda. That was a Twitter thread from Lee Fang, investigative journalist at The Intercept. Once again, the name of the book is Rise of the Fourth Reich. You can read the first chapter at trialsandexecution.com. Moving on, the midterm elections are one week away in Arizona. The libertarian candidate in that Senate race, Mark Victor, has dropped out of that tight race and plans to endorse Blake Masters. And then there's this, one of the most accurate pollsters of the last few major cycles, 
Trafalgar Group has Republican Lee Zeldin leading Democrat Kathy Hochul in New York by almost a point. It's been trending this direction for a while, but it still feels weird to say out loud. A new Emerson poll of the New Mexico gubernatorial race has Republican Mark Ronchetti within two points of incumbent Democrat Luan Grisham. Another Emerson poll finds Senator Mike Lee holds a 10-point advantage over professional douche Evan McMullen in the Utah Senate race. Another quick tidbit, a new chief twit Elon Musk is touting someone named Yoel Roth as de facto head of Twitter's de facto censorship committee. Roth has called conservatives bigots and Nazis and made fun of flyover country in past tweets. Hopefully Musk gets that message. And finally, this. Look, 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 look. They want everybody to forget and forgive everything that happened during the pandemic. We were all in the dark. We were all afraid. Like, no. Nah, like, that was like we all got kidnapped and put together on an island. And then all of y'all bastards were like, we should eat them. And we're like, what the? F and then now they took us off the island. And we're just looking at you on the ride home like, and you're like, oh, wasn't that crazy? And we're like, nah, you tried to eat us. <laughs> Well, that's weird. You get the picture, though. It's right on the money. And that's what happened while we were away. Hey, there, there you we go. go. Thank that you, was Aaron. well done. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Rough Greens. If you're a dog owner, you know that taking care of your pet means more than just food and water. Health and happiness is a big part of that as well because that pet is a big part of your family. That's why you need to know that chances are the food you're buying for your pet at the store was stripped of a lot of vitamins and minerals and nutrients your pet needs before it ever left the factory. For the same reason they're doing it with the people food. That's why we buy so many supplements these days. Mass distribution and consumption. And that's why there now is a supplement for your pet. It's called Rough Greens. It's the powder you mix in with your pet's food. And with that one simple act, you have restored a good portion of the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients missing from your pet's favorite store-bought food. But you might be wondering... Okay, yeah, you're, you're, you guys are always the ones talking about inflation. The last thing I need right now is another thing that doesn't work. We agree. That's why we're going to give you the 14-day Jumpstart bag to get you started for free. That first 14-day Jumpstart bag is on the house. We're going to have you pick up the tab for the shipping, the lesser cost, because a lot of times when you get stuff for free, it just sits on a shelf or gets thrown away. We think it's a good product. We want you to try it for your pet. But we're going to pick up the bigger expense. The bag is on us when you go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F, for roughgreens.com. Or you can call them at 833-ROUGH-DOG. That's 833-ROUGH-DOG. Let's go to Aaron's montage. We're going to get more into the latest numbers, guys, with the election next segment when uh, Rich Barris joins us. I, I want to I wanna discuss the the Lee Fang intercept thread that was really the dominant story in Aaron's montage. The definition, the classic definition of fascism is collusion between elites in the public and private sector with the intent of dominating the wider population. Let me repeat that. The, the classic definition of fascism is collusion between elites in the public and private sector with the intent of dominating the populace. Is that not exactly what is in that intercept story? Yes. And so the word fascism gets thrown around 
quite cavalierly as a lot of things get thrown around cavalierly in our day and age. Um, one of my favorite uh, was uh, uh, Trump's a fascist, literally Hitler, and give him all your guns, right? When Trump was yes. president. Okay, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And, and so I don't expect the people that don't know what a woman is to know what a fascist is, right? Basic definitions obviously exceed their grasp. That's why we are here to help fill in the blanks and make it simple. It is the collusion between elites and the public and private sector with the intent of dominating the populace, the wider population. That sort of collusion is exactly what is depicted and chronicled in that intercept story. Evil always accuses you of doing what it does. Evil always accuses you of being what it is. Evil projects. That's how it deflects. And so, for example, the entire time that the spirit of the age argued that Donald Trump was a compromise president because Vladimir Putin had... Uh, evidence of water sports involving Trump and Russian prostitutes and was therefore leveraging him as his asset to infiltrate the American political system the entire time that this was being falsely alleged of Donald Trump. It turns out that the first son, Hunter Biden, was indeed Mr. Compromont. Uh, he himself was actually um, videotaping and making records of his uh, future blackmail material with even Russian prostitutes. Apparently, I don't know, there wasn't another Eastern European prostitution ring he could partake of. It had to specifically be the Russian variety and was even putting in amassing and cataloging this evidence for us and anyone else that may seek to compromise him in the future. That was It was actually happening. There actually was someone of major presidential political significance compromising themselves with catalogs of blackmail material with Russian hookers. It just wasn't Donald Trump. It, it was Hunter Biden. There really has been fascism happening. It just was from the guys and gals calling you fascists. And this plays into the Nancy Pelosi, Paul Pelosi story from over the weekend. So last night, and I did watch it, last night there, were, uh, there was an FBI briefing and local authorities in San Francisco on the attack against Paul Pelosi. Here is the current story. This is the current story we are being offered now. The current story is that Paul Pelosi did not know this individual who is an illegal alien. He basically, like the Beatles once said, came in through the bathroom window. That he somehow penetrated the security of one of the most politically prominent families in America via a window. That's all it took. A window. And then began beating Paul Pelosi in his underwear with a hammer with the intent of actually kidnapping Nancy Pelosi to make a political statement. That, that is the official story 
that they came up with last night, or I'm, I'm sorry, um, that they shared with us last night. That's the official story. The stuff we were discussing yesterday and joking about, you know, that this looks like the kind of story Lindsey Graham needs to get to the bottom of. Was Paul Pelosi given a monkeypox kit after the assault? Stuff like that. Where did this stuff come from? See, they're even lying about that. Because Elon Musk tweeted out a link to what's called the Santa Monica Observer. Every city in America has one of these, like, so left they sound like us, you know, one-third of the time publications that are these weekly alternatives, right? Here it's called uh, Chitty View is the one we have here in Des Moines. Is it even still available? Does it even still around? You I know? honestly have no idea. But, you know, but every city has this, right? The, the weekly newspaper, because the daily one isn't Marxist enough Right. And so this one just basically goes full Soviet and, you know, um, anti proletariat. And so every now and then they sound like us because they get like really left wing populism, you know, populisty or populista, maybe since we're talking about Marxists. All right. That's when Elon Musk was tweeting out. And so they're trying to make it look like it was just the Los Angeles Times as a story out today. The curious history of the Santa Monica Observer, the source for all the fake news on Paul Pelosi. Guys, I was following. Once I saw they were going to turn this into Jesse Smollett. And they were going to make all of you guilty for Paul Pelosi getting hammered. Or drilled. I paid very close attention to this story over the weekend. Because I anticipated I would come in on Monday and Nancy Pelosi would be on all the morning talk shows like Jesse Smollett. And this was their October surprise, like we talked about yesterday. I didn't even know what a Santa Monica Observer was until I saw Elon Musk tweet it. This stuff was being reported by local affiliates out there, by NBC News, and by Politico. Even though it's the Fox affiliate, how right-wing do you think the local Fox affiliate in San Francisco is, Todd? Go. This is mega country, Steve. Yes. In fact, they, that's, the, that's, their, that's their slogan. <laughs> We're live at five with the local news here in MAGA country. Yes. So the local Fox affiliate in San Francisco, NBC News, and Politico were the people talking about 2 a.m. And the, and the phone call and the 911 call and the, he identified him as a friend and they were in their underwear and it was a fight over a ham. These were all things and there was a third person that let him in. These were all things that were reported by their media. Their media reported this stuff. Nobody knew what, a, what the turd a Santa Monica observer was until the richest man in the world tweeted the link to Hillary Clinton. And then that gave them permission to essentially pretend like NBC News, Politico, and the local San Francisco Fox affiliate never reported any of these details that they, had, that they, then, that they then later retracted. That plays right into this intercept feed. On what basis were these things retracted? On what basis were they reported at the first time? Do you know? No one knows. 
They've offered us no narr- no news. They've just offered us a narrative. It might be true. I don't know. Here's what I do know. One of these two things and only one of these two things is true. Only one. Number one. The security for one of the most prominent and powerful political families in America is so ridiculously lax. That an illegal alien penetrated it via a window, a window, all by himself, all by himself. And it just so happens that the Pelosi's cosmically ended up becoming victims of the very open borders insanity that they advocate. That's the official story. That's the official story. It would seem so. Here's the other option. It's a lie. And there is nothing in between. There's nothing in between. It's one or the other. Is it impossible to think that the Pelosi's just got Romans won by their own mob? No, it's not. Is it impossible to think after Julie Switnick, Brett Kavanaugh, Roy Moore, Michael Avenatti, masks, jabs, lockdowns, a virus that somehow was created by bats who nest 900 kilometers away and just so happened to land at the wet market in a densely populated city surrounded by not one, not two, but three bioweapons labs. The last election, 4 a.m. voter drops, boarded up windows when you try to count the votes, no monitors allowed. Stacey Abrams, no, I, I didn't say that my state was racist and we should move the All-Star game after they did. Is it impossible to think that that narrative is a lie? After everything else I just cited and I could cite more? No. So here's where I am. I don't believe anything they say. I mean like about Nothing. Nothing. I believe nothing they say about anything, and I don't know when I ever will again. I, I may never. And for the first time, I've been in this place for about a year and a half. Actually, maybe longer. I, I, as I've said before, the Kavanaugh thing was kind of my breaking point. And then right after that, it turned out that Robert Mueller really did sell his entire legacy as a public servant for some ham-hocked-fisted coup attempt that was the stuff of wet dreams on MSNBC weekend shows. And that was like my final, okay, I'm out. So I've been in this place for a couple of years, actually. I've just, I've not really been all that comfortable with it, right? Right. I'm here to tell you today, on November 1st, 2022, I'm totes cool with it. I've made my peace with it. I believe... Nothing. I don't recommend anyone believes anything they say at all about anything. And leave open the possibility that we never should again about anything. And as I've said before, my experience in politics, gentlemen, is thus. 
when they prefer the narratives, when the narrative they're going with is, man, aren't we bad at this? Oh, gosh, what a joke we are. It's usually because the truth is even worse. So with that intercept thread, and now this chain of events with the Pelosi story, is it far-fetched at all that a code red just went out, said, retract all those stories, ditch them, memory hold them faster than you can say Las Vegas shooter. We got a new narrative now. And the new narrative is an illegal alien just happened to get in through the gated community of one of the most powerful political families in America to hold Nancy Pelosi hostage one week before the election. That's our, that's our new narrative. Admittedly, it's a little bit more creative than pretend pro-Castro CIA asset who was ruled Maggie's drawers in the military just so happened to make this most singular greatest pinpoint shot in the history of American marksmanship against a U.S. president. Granted, this one's a little bit more creative than that one, but it sounds about the same in terms of accuracy to me. Gentlemen, your thoughts. I love that was Art Bell-esque, and I dig that about you because it's Occam's razor. If we, we've been talking about that to you for years. Well, if you don't apply it now, when? The, the simplest truth is that Order 66 versions of chaos reign everywhere. And as that applies to this coming election, once again, this is why I think it's the most important election of my lifetime. If you react, to, uh, if, if there is a red tsunami and they react to this kind of news about the FBI and social media like they did to Obamacare, game over. Game over. First, because the PSYOP by the FBI started yesterday on you. They know the red wave is coming. They have their plans in order on how they're going to crush you. And they're banking and it's solid money in Vegas that you're not going to do anything about it, Red Wave. It has to happen. The, the FBI needs to be job number one when the, when the Red Tsunami gets into office. Otherwise, you're not serious. The, 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 it's not even a, it's, it's not even, it's an open secret that they are puppet matters, puppet masters. In this republic, which means it's not a republic anymore. The coup has happened, is happening, and will continue to happen. What are you prepared to do? I have been saying this with increasing frequency about certain stories that pop up and that we talk about, but I, I utter this phrase, this sounds like bad right-wing paranoid fiction of like 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. And this intercept thread definitely fits that bill yet again. Two things that stood out to me the most. One was the very end, obviously, when the government spook was saying, hey, we need to basically launder our narrative through non-profits and non-government organizations to to get to, to wash it of the scent of government propaganda. I, that, that, I just I cannot. 
fathom that we're actually talking about. This is real stuff. This is not just, we're not talking about some uh, banana republic across the world. We're talking about a banana republic across the country right mm-hmm. now. The other thing that stood out to me as well, that I actually, t- I actually chuckled at, was the notion that information domestically needs to be censored to rid us, to free us of, quote, toxic narratives. I actually, I actually agree with that. I actually think that the government is legitimately afraid of toxic narratives, or at least could be. You have at least a generation and a half, if not two generations, of people in this country gone through the government schools so soft-headed that they vote for a guy with dementia. You bet your sweet bippy. You bet your sweet bippy. I'm afraid of toxic narratives. I just think we're probably not talking about the same toxic narratives. But yeah, that would be a fear for a government if your own people are so toxic, uh, so, so t- soft-headed because of your own educational system that they would succumb to quote-unquote toxic narratives. But this is what Todd said is absolutely the crux. That's why I tie this into the, bo- to the book, Rise of the Fourth Reich and the Call for Tribunals. Now that book is directed mostly at COVID fascism. But man, it went from COVID fascism to fascism to full-blown fascism sooner than you can say uh, Joe Biden, dementia. He has a crack smoking. Uh, so it's, it, it went there at light speed, mm-hmm. and it's not slowing down anytime soon. The evil ain't going to stop itself. Rich Barris will join us when we come back. My final projection for the 2022 midterms, and we'll get his take here in a moment. So our friends over at Eden Pure have a brand new deal for those of you that have maybe been holding out. You've heard all the testimonials from people in our audience that have tried the Pure Thunderstorm air purifier from Eden Pure. And maybe the previous deal was still maybe a little too rich for your blood. How about this one? Buy one, get one free. Two for one special right now. BOGO two for one special right now. I'm sorry, buy two, get two free. Buy two, get two free. So four for the price of two. All right. Um, You can't beat that whatsoever right now. Steve BOGO is the code. Steve BOGO, B-O-G-O. That's the code. When you go, shipping is still free, by the way. Shipping is still free. When you go, so it's buy one, get one free, buy two, get two free. You can't beat it. Steve Bogo is the code when you go to EdenPure.com. EdenPure.com and use the discount code Steve Bogo. Is it Eden Pure Deals? Because it says Eden Pure on my sheet. I want to make sure I give people the right address. We Looks still- like it's Steve Bogo. Steve Bogo is the discount code. Yeah, and but then in EdenPureDeals.com okay, is right, what I have right. here. My sheet had a different website, so I want to make sure we give them the right one. Take advantage of this great deal. EdenPureDeals.com EdenPureDeals.com Same website as before. EdenPureDeals.com Steve Bogo is the code to take advantage of the buy one, get one free with free shipping. We welcome back Rich Barris to the show, the People's Pundit. Uh, one week from today, the midterm elections. And Rich, it is good to have you back with us here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. How are you, brother? 
Living the dream as always, Steve. It's great to be back. How are you doing? I'm doing very well as well. Before I show you my final projections, I want to give you sort of a big picture, my big picture view, and, and whether you agree or disagree with it, okay, or would modify it in any way. To me, a wave election like we see in a lot of midterms when the party that lost the presidential election is out of power, particularly if it's a very contested election like the Florida recount of 2000, the Trump election, four states by 78,000 votes in 2016, or, or this election would have been after the, shall we call them, controversies uh, in the 2020 election. That's when, you know, and then there's an economic downturn. And so you get a lot of white swing voters in the suburbs, uh, particularly women swing from one party to the other. That's your typical wave election. I think I, I, I thought as of a few weeks ago, there was the potential to move way past that into what I would actually not call a red wave, but a red tsunami. And for me, a red tsunami is when these three events converge. Number one, I look at a state like mine, Rich in Iowa, we had 30 counties that voted for Obama once or twice that flipped and voted for yep. Trump twice. Okay. And so those rural MAGA areas, would they stay loyal to the, they're not loyal Republicans. Would they stay loyal to the Republican party without Trump in office or Trump on the ballot? Check. I think that box is checked. Are we, do we have the potential at looking at deep depression of the, of the turnout of Democrats depressing their black turnout? Based on what I've seen and from people I know looking at early voting around the country, I think that box is getting checked or is close. The third box, which I also think is checked, record migration of Hispanics from Democrats to Republicans. Not just not just not voting because they're 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 depressed, but actively voting right. for the other side. And I think when you get those three things, I think a lot of this map opens up now. And and that is why I have I'll show you here in a minute, Rich, a fairly aggressive projection of what I think will happen one week from today. But what what are your thoughts first in that big picture analysis? No, the, the big picture, you're spot on, Steve. I mean, really what was you know happening before the summer was everything that you just mentioned, which was fueling these leads that we were seeing for Republicans across the country, but even in national generic ballots, they were historic leads. And, you know, even surpassing 2010, uh, certainly the biggest leads that we've ever pulled for Republicans. And, you know, the, the, the analysis is right because what I was— looking for after Labor Day was whether some of those women, especially that you you were talking about in, in, in educated independence, would they come back? And I think even if you're looking at some of these polls that have more modest leads, you know, the uh, NBC Wall Street Journal poll or the Wall Street Journal poll that came out today, um, that's Republican plus two, but it's a 20 something point swing among uh, among women, suburban women. Uh, it's it's a massive swing back to the Republicans. We saw the same thing in our generic ballot, which was Republican plus five. That's when you're starting from the you know Republican plus four on Steve. That's when you're starting to see. Uh, because there are sampling errors, and that's when you're starting to see the potential for, you know, wipeouts. What just a wipeout? I don't even know if a wave is the, you know, like you said, uh, tsunami. What, whatever you want to call it. I'm not even sure a wave is uh, a, an accurate term for what could happen here. One last thing I want to ask you about that's developed since we last talked. When you were on before, yeah. I unveiled my proven pollster polling average because on average in 2020, the 16 polls that made up the real clear politics polling average were off on average by nearly five points, way outside their margins for error. OK. Yeah. And so I kind of just reduced it to the polls that were accurate these last few cycles. Well, since you and I last talked. 
the folks over at Real Clear Politics have, dis- have started doing their own accountability project of their own polling yeah. average. What are your thoughts on that? Because, you know, frankly, humility and self-awareness in this business right now is is pretty rare. A lot of people just seemingly have a narrative that they have to advance and they're going to do it regardless of data come hell or high water. Yeah, it's it's admirable. I, I, I'll be honest. I mean, if I had pom poms, I would have been cheering them because it had to be RCP uh, to do this. Nobody else has the credibility uh, to do it. Nobody else has the established track record. They are the inventor of the average. You know, some of these other groups, well, I won't even name that came later, Steve. I mean, they're basically just they took RCP's idea and started to unskew polls like, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, the Romney effort in 2012. Uh, but RCP has been has been consistent all of this time for years but over you know over what the last three four election cycles specifically the polls have gotten so bad that if you're them you have to say i got to give more information to the consumer so they can un- take this with context you know some polls are just not worth uh, you know, you, you can't exclude them. Uh, you don't want to get into that sl- slippery slope, but some polls are just not worth giving that much weight to. They're consistently wrong, such as the ones that came out yesterday mm-hmm. from the, the New York Times. I mean, they have their own polling completely contradicts their national polling. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really see Senate numbers. And now today he releases an article that says, look out, you know, I'm probably going to miss it. Well, then why did you release? Why did you put that out there then? Yeah. Why did you put them out there? And by the way, he used an argument that pollsters like myself and others have been saying for years that there are certain people who want to talk to you. And then there are certain people who don't. It's a major problem. And this is one of the main reasons polls keep getting it wrong. So then weight that accordingly. That's not a new thing, Rich. You you can weight that accordingly. We we, uh, my colleague, Daniel Horowitz, had an in-depth conversation with Robert Cahaley, who I know, you know, uh, on his podcast last week over at Trafalgar. Yes. And Kahaley yes. said a couple things that really stood out to me. Uh, three. Number one, he said when this election cycle is over, they're losing so much confidence in their ability to accurately sample who's going to turn out because of how few people want to respond to any polling. They might just yes. completely reboot their entire voter file record system. That was the first thing I, that stood out to me. Number two, he thought even with their reputation, on average, they were, depending on the race, probably still missing one and a half to five points of Republican voter turnout when it's all said and done. And then the third thing he said to me that really gets into tsunami is when he said this is the first time he's ever polled in an election and it's not really just a, a, one issue. It's, it's a comprehensive, systemic one. Yeah. People are like, crime's too high. I'm worried about my college daughter not being safe. I'm worried about the border with my college son getting addicted to fentanyl. I can't afford groceries for my... It, it's a systemic notion of collapse, And he's just never seen anything like that before in his polling. And I think that when you see my map, that factor, I think, Rich, has the potential to destabilize places that a month ago, Minnesota, Colorado, New Mexico, if you're looking at systemic people systemically feeling collapse, then that has a tendency to break some some of the thin blue walls that are out there, in my view. Yeah, I couldn't agree with him more with what he was saying on the issues. Uh, that is definitely the sentiment that we had 
heard from people all spring. And I think the media tried to give some kind of a fake narrative that, that things were getting better. And I think people carried on with their summer, Steve. So it got a little bit screwy for polling there. Uh, but now that they're back, you know, the kids are back in school. They're facing these problems again, you know, head on. Um, and it's election, you know, it's election times. So now this uh, this sentiment is bubbling back to the surface and we're hearing it, you know, as far as how much polls can miss uh, again, his range is probably spot on there because when you have this participation bias that we are talking about, you know, it means the poll is going to cost more, which other pollsters don't want to happen, Steve. They don't want to mm -hmm. pay more. So if you're at the New York Times, you budgeted what you budgeted and that's it. You're not going to go back into the field because you feel you miss working class voters. Mm -hmm. That's what people like Robert and I have been doing for a long time, looking at the sample and saying, you know what, we know that a certain group is not represented. We're going to go back in. We're not going to release an article the next day. Uh, that's just not how you operate. So uh, the, people are not as willing to do that. And now there are more polls than there have ever been. So it gives this impression, you know, that uh, that there's a, a consensus that doesn't really exist. And then come election day, the voter blows it out of the water. And that's what happened in New Jersey. That's what happened in Virginia. Frankly, we were one of only, what, two or three other pollsters that had Glenn Youngkin winning that, winning that race. The other pollsters had him down, maybe close. It got closer at the end, but uh, they had him down. So it's this fake consensus that ignores the voter. And at the end of the day, though, reality always wins. And those voters are going to vote. Read some of the quotes, folks, from the, the NBC uh, Wall Street Journal poll. Read some of these people's quotes. This woman, is she was going to vote for Fetterman. She's a suburban woman outside of uh, Pittsburgh in Allegheny County. And now she's going to vote for Oz. Why? Because it's I, we gave Democrats a chance. The economy is collapsing. Crime is through the roof. She's giving a litany of what you just spoke mm -hmm. about, Steve. You know, it's like she's obviously listing inflation as her number one issue because of her kids' clothes returning to school. But that isn't the only thing she rattled off to Tony and uh, John Anzalone about when they polled her. So it's just, you know, this lit, it's a laundry list. <laughs> it's really what it's a laundry list of my woes. And the incumbent party gets blamed for that. And I'm a little bit shocked that some of these so-called forecasters and narrator, you know, narrative builders had even entertained that this was somehow going to be an ahistorical event election. Yeah. You know, Democrats would keep the House. Yeah. And, you know, just this morning, uh, my friend uh, over at the media's favorite election forecasting site finally gave the Republicans the edge to control the Senate on his model. I mean— this is a scam. Hmm. This is a scam, Steve. Yes, they always it is. had the advantage. Yes. They always did. So unbelievable. Any district, what you're about to see, any district that I measured as anything less than plus ten Democrat, I gave to Republicans. Yes. Any yes. state that I measured as anything less than plus five, I gave to Republicans. And so with that in mind, let's start. This is what I think the Senate map will be. Fifty six to forty four. Is Oof. what I have when you, when you when you when you take yeah. those numbers and extrapolate them to something systemic, that's what I have. And then I have a, a house gain not pictured. The house map I have a gain of forty two, which on top with the fourteen they gained the last time would put you right around where they were in nineteen ninety four with that historic tsunami. And then in the gubernatorial race, um, I have only fourteen Democratic governors when this election is over. Fourteen. In the entire country. So, Rich, your thoughts and on it, this as you take a look at it? 
Yeah, I, I think that some of these other people are late to the to the party here looking at how this thing could break. So weeks ago, we were saying, look, it's really coming down now to Arizona and uh, New Hampshire. You know, I mean, I uh, we did just release a poll in Pennsylvania post-debate, all interviews post-debate. We have Ozzy took a lead. Um, and it's, by the way, fueled by women that we were just talking about. That woman's a perfect example, that voter. Um, and, but now that it's fast forward, what, another two weeks since the last time I've been on. And now we're not just talking about Arizona and New Hampshire anymore, are we? Mm -hmm. Patty Murray is in serious trouble. She is in real trouble. And it took people quite a while to come along to that. Uh, but again, if you look back at things that foreshadow, really foreshadow and have predictive value, the, the primary vote share in uh, Washington state has been extremely predictive in recent midterms, especially. And she got just over 50 percent, about 52 percent. That is that's very telling that the incumbents in trouble. And it's a heavily Democratic seat next door for governor. We have Dre's in favor to win that seat. Mm -hmm. There's an independent candidate there that's taking double digits anywhere from a low of 12 to a high of 17. And that allows her to slip in with 42 to 45 percent of the vote. And when you have an election that looks like it's breaking the way this one is, that is not a heavy lift for her. It's not. So uh, and then the typical battlegrounds, Steve, are just not battlegrounds, right? Nevada is, which is, I would still argue, leans Democrats slightly unless this Hispanic trend continues, then it may end up being a Republican state. But I think Joe Lombardo and um, Adam Laxalt are both uh, poised to win, defeat Democratic incumbents. Wisconsin, which everybody thought was going to be close. Mm -hmm. Ron Johnson looks, uh, you know, like he's sailing away here. Uh, and then, of course, Tim Michaels, who was, uh, I, I would not, you know, I, I, it's probably accurate to call him an underdog, but I just think he wasn't getting, until recently, he wasn't getting the uh, the credit or the, you know, the, at least the notoriety of how, how doable that race was for him. He's got a well-known name in Wisconsin. He was well-funded. And now he's in a position to defeat a Democratic uh, incumbent governor. Meanwhile, look at the Republican side. You know, they just, uh, the other day, I believe it was actually yesterday, some of my peers just recognized that really Florida's not competitive. That's probably a safe, uh, that's probably a safe race for Republicans. And by the way, Georgia too, we're moving that to the likely column. The truth is Kemp was always likely to be reelected and Ron DeSantis was unbeatable this year. So there was, you know, there, there were fewer targets on the map every week here that we're looking at where Democrats can say that's a bright spot. That's a bright spot. And when you look around the map, all you see are dangers of slipping away. It I, these breaks, I really have to stress this again, these breaks among educated independents and women uh, are big. And sometimes a pollster cannot catch this, especially when it happens this quickly. And we're a couple of days out from the election now, less than a week, you know, a week, a week out. Um, you know, pollsters do the best job they can, even the good ones. And sometimes you miss moves that are this quick. Great stuff, Rich. I'll do my best to be following you on election night. I'll be helping out with the Blaze election coverage as well, but you do great work, and so we appreciate uh, you coming back on the show, brother. And if anything, I feel better about my own thoughts after talking to you, so thank you, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> Sounds good. All the best. All right. Thank you, Rich.
Uh, brought to you by our friends over at Public SQ for Public Square. It is the new app helping you to help build the parallel economy in America. You can download the Public SQ app right now from the Apple App Store, Google Play, create a free account. Begin your search for other pro-American, liberty-loving businesses uh, around the country uh, that uh, uh, can help us to build the parallel economy we need to the current one that's been taken over by woke corporatism. You can also list your business there for free. Uh, uh, and, and so your local community can find you there as well. Download the app today, Public SQ for Public Square. Public SQ, available right now at the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store as well. All right, when we come back, we'll get you guys, I'll let you guys have a take on what Rich Barris just had to say. We'll welcome my oldest daughter in, have a little fake news or not, some Pop Culture Tuesday. We got a lot to get to here in a very busy hour too. Next. All right, we're back with Hour 2 live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, which you can access by emailing the show steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show, at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter. Also, Instagram and TikTok get clips of the show free to watch, free of any censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. That's rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And then don't forget, you can also find me over on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace. For those of you that listen to the podcast, you're a real big reason why we are getting a contract extension here because the podcast audience has just exploded. So thank you to all of you. My kids will get a good Christmas this year because of you um and if you could do just one more thing for us please leave us a five-star review hit subscribe or follow uh that does something to appease the rather finicky algorithmic gods i'm not exactly sure what that is but if for no other reason we appreciate hearing that you like us and want to say thank you to all of you uh, the thousands of you that have done that for us already we greatly appreciate it um before we get to a jam-packed hour two here. I want to remind you about our friends over at Preborn. Now that we are, regardless of what and claims, officially into Christmas time, uh, and we are into the fourth quarter, the end of the year, we're always looking for great causes to donate to this time of year. Did you know almost one out of five Americans never had a chance of ever being born because of abortion? It is the leading, leading cause of infant death in the country, in the world. Post Roe v. Wade, we saw 63 million American babies killed in this country and that's where the ministry of preborn and its partnership with us here at blaze media comes in uh they have helped rescue 50,000 babies from abortion just in the last year or so uh working to put planned parenthood out of business we also provide free ultrasounds to expecting mothers because 80 percent of the time hearing their baby's heartbeat is enough to convince them to go through and be the mother of their baby and when that mom chooses life by the way and this is what i think sets preborn apart when that mom chooses life preborn provides tons of aftercare uh, maternity, baby clothes, diapers, car seat, counseling, and more. All of it is free of charge as well. All of it is free of charge. That is their level of commitment to helping save both 
the mom and the baby, to love them both. If you want to help them accomplish that goal, uh, they do all of it for free because of donations from people like us. So that's pound 250 and say the keyword baby on your mobile phone. Pound 250 and say the keyword baby on your mobile phone. Or you can just call them at preborn.com slash Steve. That's preborn.com slash Steve. Gentlemen, your thoughts on the conversation before we bring Anastasia in and get to fake news or not. Your thoughts on the conversation we just had with Rich Barris, the People's Pundit, where I rolled out my final, shall we say, aggressive predictions of what I think we'll see with the midterm elections. Comment and a question for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I was considered or I was considering the Hispanic sway voting for, as you explained, voting for the other the other team in this equation. I was expecting that to happen. You know, we've already seen this. I was expecting it because we'd already seen it. What I have been surprised about, uh, he mentioned he invoked the Wall Street Journal mm-hmm. piece this morning um, in, in poll. Suburban women. Does this surprise you? And what do you make of that? No. I, I think the issues in the country have become... Remember, there has been a long history of suburban women in the end voting Republican. Yeah. Okay. This has only been uh, Obama competed for them. Um, uh, Trump actually won suburban women in 2020 uh, and then just got annihilated with them in 2000 or 2016, I should say, then got annihilated with them in 2018 and 2020. And you know what? I'm going to turn Anna's mic on for a second. Because Anna now is now technically and, and literally a married suburban woman. Okay? So, All right. right? You're technically in this group now, right, Anastasia? For a week now. Yes. yes. All right. So, you're a grizzled vet. Yeah. All right. So, in case maybe I want to make sure I put this in a way that doesn't come across as patronizing because it's not my intent. You grew up with me. You know when I intend to be patronizing. Okay. Yeah, he'll just say it. Yeah, yes. This is not an intent to be patronizing, but observing the differences of the of the of the of the behavior systems of the different genders. Okay. okay. Women are very relational, relational, correct? I would agree with that. Yeah. Okay. And so when there is like a loudmouth Karen and a gaggle of women or a couple of them, and they are like kind of dominating the conversation and making their points. Mm-hmm. It's not for most women, it's not a natural for them in the middle of that emo- moment to kind of speak up and interrupt and contradict it and argue with it, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on the woman, but naturally, yes. And so this tends to be like you guys go to the bathroom together, right? Yeah. Women travel in packs. They're yeah. very relational. They like going, they're, you know, groups. And and so there. I think there's a behavioral construct here where what's happened is the country is failing at such a systemic level that it's drowned Karen out and we have split Karen, the true believer, the one with the EV uh, Subaru and the cul-de-sac and the coexist bumper sticker right next to mean people suck on her, you know, on her hatchback. Um, basically you're Elizabeth Warren voter. Uh, the Elizabeth Warren voter is getting drowned out now by Watch him got a tattoo Senate candidate, you know, doing debates in Pennsylvania by 400 inf- percent uh, inflation, by crime, um, by just holistic failure in society. 
And I think that has splintered that white suburban female vote. Does that answer your question? Yeah, and, and just if that is true, I believe the Wall Street Journal, it, Wall Street Journal combined Hispanics and suburban women, and it's like a plus twenty six point swing towards Republicans. And I think that's just pl- since September. Yes. If that's true, you're going to see a tsunami. You're not even going to see a tsunami. If that's true, you're going to see something beyond that. It's not going to be a surprise if New Mexico goes red for the first time in 20 years. It's not going to be a surprise that New York, uh, if Lee Zeldin wins by five plus points, those are not going to be surprises. We're going to see things. I mean, if that is true, that we're going to see some things that are not that are not even on our radar right now. And that's hard to imagine because just two weeks ago, you didn't even have New York going red. I agree. And that's where I'm factoring in things like Colorado, which has an abnormally high Hispanic population. New Mexico, I'm factoring that in to that analysis. I, I believe you are going to see a historic repudiation of a, repu- of a political party, like Reconstruction era kind of stuff. I think when this is done, the Democrats, the, the last two Gen X leaders left in that party might be Kamala Harris, that have, that, that have won an elected office, might be Kamala Harris and Gavin Newsom. I think that you're going to see historic. What did Joe Rogan compare it to yesterday? The 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 elevator scene where the blood comes gushing yeah. out of the shining. I kind of like that actually more than Red Tsunami. I like that visual more. I, I think you're going to see a historic repudiation of a political party. I mean, I, I, I don't know what their base is other than just Depressed. dedicated white, uh, affluent whites. Yeah. I don't know what else their base is. Todd, your thoughts. And if we're lucky, there will be a scared straight quality to all this that will allow for some degree of permanence. That, oh my God, what have I done? This went way beyond what I thought. I've learned my lesson never again. Or, you could have a tsunami, but it basically can be on the heels of an Emily Oster type column. Mm -hmm. Like, um... My bad mistakes were made, but can I just tiptoe away from this and uh, not have any consequences at all and hope we can all move on and put things back on cruise control? Because that's not that's a death sentence. This will be the most pyrrhic of tsunamis if that happens. There has to be a fundamental this is a football at people's roots level of realization that we are damn lucky to even have a country anymore after the stuff that we just tried to pull. Yeah. Well said. Let's bring in my firstborn, the now newly christened Anastasia Hibbs. That seems very odd and weird to say. Don't worry. I'm still using Dace when it benefits me. Yeah. So it's... <laughs> well, then I raised you right. <laughs> I still kept it on my email, one of my emails, so you're good. All right. Good to see you. How yeah. was the trip up to... You got a chance to meet Matt Walsh? I heard that was very that went great right yeah no it was very fun i just like i got very nervous i don't know why it's you mean not- <laughs> you grew up in a home with steve dace all your life and you got starstruck i know and that's what my husband steven said but like i i honestly right before we went up to take a yes, picture her with husband's him, name is steven as well yes okay let's for not those go over that, that again for those of you that didn't catch i've heard that. it all yeah okay <laughs> but right before i went up to take a picture with matt walsh I was like, does my hair look okay? And I was like brushing it. And Steven was like, we just got married like yesterday and you need to chill out. 
and I just <laughs> I free I don't know why I don't know why like and then my cheeks were red and he was like oh it's nice to meet you and I just was like <laughs> you like, remember that time that was great remember that time you made that movie that was great that's what you did I just I freaked out I freaked out he probably thinks I'm like He's probably ticked at me. He's like, know. man, you dogged me for two weeks to make sure your daughter got into that event. So then she gets up there and just, uh, uh, John fettered me. John went John Fetterman when I tried to talk to her. What was that? I know. I My cheeks were, I was like sweating. I began to sweat. I don't know what happened. It was a whole, but it was, he was very nice. He was very nice. And uh, a very welcoming crowd there at the University of Wisconsin. <laughs> I, there, there was literally My somebody. Peeps. <laughs> yes. I mean, there was literally somebody like sitting on the ground eating pages of the Bible. It was crazy. Because reasons, why not? Yeah, I guess. Let who has not eaten pages of the Bible before cast <laughs> the first know. stone? I don't know right? what that did, but sure. But I mean, yeah, the the Young Americans Foundation staff was really nice. Okay. So, yeah. And Matt was worth the uh, the the multi hour drive up there. Yeah, I mean, we took a picture with him. It's not like Stephen was like should we set aside some money to take him to dinner? And it's like, Steve, I don't, but we did not take Matt Walsh to dinner, Okay, <laughs> but it was very fun. Yes. All right. Well, good. All right. So what are we doing here this week? Okay. So today we are playing guess the celebrity. So, um, and dad, overwhelmingly people think you're going to win. Okay. Which I just think is so funny. So I'm <laughs> being set up for defeat. Yes. Because you know, um, I get in, in, in deeply in, in depth and involved in the lives of celebrities. You know, we yeah. spent a ton of time as you were growing up talking about such things. I yes. know, but people wanted. It. I kept getting DMs of people being like, "Have them guess the celebrity." So okay. I sent pictures of five celebrity faces to Aaron. So he's going to put them up on the screen, and then you guys have to guess. The Vegas line, by the way, for Steve is one and a half. The Vegas line for Todd is point five. So Todd will get I'm even taking, fewer. I'm hammering the under on both. Hammering the under on both. All right, so we we're just doing so, this based on faces. And are yeah. we racing? each other or are we going alternate um let's have it be a race let's have it be the tr okay. a true competition all right, so just shout it out if you know who okay. it is yeah Go. you ready all right okay oh uh, do a leap todd is wow. correct wow i did not think wow. either of you were gonna get that i had I, wow i have did, never wow i have never seen that face in my life wow the only reason i know that is because she was like a guest helper judge on the voice and then she does that weird Elton John mismatch, yeah. mishmash. I've heard song, the song. So. I've heard yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, but I have never wow. seen that. That I, was I, quick. I that was incredible. So I'm already over. Incredible. Yes. Yeah, you hit the <laughs> over. I lost my bet. That was so surprising. I've never okay. seen. I've never seen that face in my life. Okay. Okay. Todd yeah. won. Oh, Ariana Grande. I know that one. Okay. Yeah. I did that too. That was good. We, I, from you guys, because we watched, what was the show? The High School Victorious? Yes, yes. Yeah, we watched that when you guys were growing up. That show, by the way, is very funny, actually. That was good. That was good. That, that was very that funny. That show is very one. funny. I thought that was the one that you were going to get. Okay. That's what I thought, too. Yeah. Okay. You ready? All right. Oh, that's oh, Drake. Oh, Drake. Yeah. Wow. What? Todd guys, what? I was actually, I knew that one too, just because of all the sports memes about him. It's just, you got his name out. I knew it started with a D. I was hovering around it and then oh, you said yeah. it before I, me, but he's, he's in a ton of sports memes. That's how I know I couldn't pick any of his songs. I like, know just cause he came to Des Moines and then he posed above the Drake university yep. picture like at midnight. Okay. So I, this, yeah. Okay. Two right. to one then. Todd is, is a man of, uh, he's a Renaissance man. Good job, I would, Todd. and I did, and I. Merry Christmas, Todd. I would have. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I, God just, bless us. It is everyone. a Christmas miracle. Todd has already won. Yes, he's already won. Wow. Yeah, because I don't know that I'll get wow. another one. Yeah. Oh no, shot. I mean, I just no idea. No, never seen that in my life. I don't know what that is. I've never <laughs> no seen it guesses. before. No guesses. You've never heard her song. 
Uh, I'm a is, cow. Is that Grace Slick's daughter? I, I don't know who I that is. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I'm very proud that I don't. Or is my thinking of Grace Jones? Grace Slick's, Slick was uh, Jefferson Starship. Grace Jones is who I'm thinking of, right? Black one with the really butch yes. short hair? Yes. Okay. So is that her daughter? Is that Grace Jones's daughter? No. You guys have never heard of Doja Cat? No. I have no idea what that is. Is that a thing? Yeah. Doja Cat. She sings that woman song and... Aaron, your thoughts? I'm feeling great. Aaron, did you know got, who that was? I got one of these and it was Drake. Okay. Wow. No, two of them. I got the next one actually because I have so much contempt for this individual. Oh, this one coming up? Yeah. Okay. All right. You ready? This is the last one. (laughs) I have no idea what that is. I don't have a clue. Well, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what that is. It it reminds me of Randy Watson from Coming to America. (laughs) Sexual chocolate. He's letting, he's letting his soul glow. That yes. is certainly true. We are letting our soul glow there for sure. I mean, I don't know that, you know, that looks kind of like a Richard, little Richard impersonator with mixed with some soul glow is what it looks like to me. What is that? No idea who that he is. He posed as a pregnant man in um, People Magazine. Yeah. Fun yeah. Oh, never. Well, <laughs> you and I were just discussing that, you know, <laughs> never at the reception prouder. last weekend. Yes. That's Lil Nas X. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm sorry, Anna. It's pronounced Little Nash X. Thank you. That's the... That's the way it is not. We pronounce it here. <laughs> I don't have a clue who that is. Nope. I'm pretty sure he got in like a really big like debacle because he put like real blood in shoes or something. Oh, okay. I've heard of that. Yeah. Guy. yeah. He's yeah. a straight up Satanist, I yes. believe. Okay. I had I had I have no idea who that is. None. That doesn't so, so so the moral of this story. The lesson to be learned here from all, from my ignorance of these individuals is what? On, the lesson I learned is maybe I need to be a little bit more ignorant because I just knew who these people were. I know so much. So that's my lesson I'm taking away. That's a good lesson. That I learn. need to be more in the word of God. After that. <laughs> Way to Jesus juke me. Nice. Appreciate it. So did that. I win? You Top did. One. Three for three. Yeah. He's really like, wow. he knows his wife better. He knows his daughters better. He knows the Satanists and the culture better. So there you go, Todd. Happy, happy Reformation Day, Erzin. Renaissance man. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Anna. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Let's get to fake news or not. Brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. It is the greatest protein bar of all time. No close second. All of them covered in real chocolate. They're getting ready to launch Snickerdoodle Puff, by the way. And they are claiming in their promotional materials that this rates even higher than cookie dough chunk. Now that you shut your mouth, you shut your mouth. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But of course I've got three boxes of it on the way, so we'll find out science. Yes. Um, we test the spirits on this program. You should know that. If you want to try Built Bar, 15% off your order right now when you use the promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E, 15% off. You will not believe it's a protein bar. These are so good. All of them covered in real chocolate, loaded with protein, packed with flavor, not loaded or packed with carbs, calories, sugar. 15% off when you use the promo code DACE when you go to Built.com for Built Bar. Built.com for Built Bar. 15% off with the promo code DACE. All right, you guys ready for some fake news or not? Yes. You bet. Let's begin with something we discussed last hour. There is no evidence, none, that they knew each other. About conspiracy theories that could have perhaps fueled 
this attack. There are also conspiracy theories that have come up since this attack about what happened. Can you clear it up once and for all? Did Paul Pelosi know his attacker? There is absolutely no evidence that Mr. Pelosi knew this man. As a matter of fact, the evidence indicates the exact opposite. Fake news or not? Yeah, that's fake news. And I've experienced firsthand that a cop will lie over and over and over again just because. So, yeah, that I don't you. There's so many different versions out there. I, I have I have no idea which one for certain, but that cop's lying. I'm going to say fake news as well. I mean, the the dispatch call. I'm trying. I'm I'm trying to figure out how you could misunderstand the uh, the RP as it's referred to. That's I think Pelosi himself, reporting person. How you could confuse or get lost in translation. His name is David, and he's a friend or something like that. Unless he was trying to unless the state of mind of uh, De Pape was such that. Paul Pelosi was trying to make it sound like he wasn't a threat. Like, this, these are the rabbit holes we go down. And Occam's razor has to be applied and is in effect all the time. Well, most of the time. And so I don't, I don't understand how that, could, how that could be lost in translation. So, yeah, that's fake news. All right. And, and, and also, just the, the reporters now. There's... There's whatever they say, and then anything that's drifting from it is a conspiracy theory now. That, yeah, that's, that's basically funny, journalism that's school. Also that the, is, that's yeah, also the funny thing. Our opinions about, and anything else is a conspiracy yes, theory. Uh, yes. About the intercept piece as well. It's like, why did the government think that they needed to foist themselves upon these social media companies and these, well, ostensibly journalists as well? They were already doing their job for them. That's the part that I thought was, or one of the parts I thought was interesting. Because now you've got to make sure that the right alternative narrative is promoted and asserted in exchange. It's not just enough to censor, right? It's what's the alternative narrative that will now take its place. The full at the same Orwell. Time. Yes, the full Orwell, well said. All right, clip two. There's just not a lot Democrats could have done. In speaking of that environment, Jen, I mean, when you look at the economy and you look at inflation, it consistently rates as the top issue to voters. And Republicans, when you ask those folks who say that, they're consistently saying they're going to vote Republican by pretty lopsided margins. Is there anything Democrats could have done? Was there a missed opportunity here for Democrats to not face that kind of a headwind? Look, on inflation, it's a global issue. It's happening around the world. I think there's not a lot Democrats could have done to change that reality. Uh, what you are seeing people like Barack Obama and Joe Biden do is really try to make this about a choice and not a referendum on President Biden. You heard him say almost exactly that. Hmm. Fake news or not, Aaron? Just not a lot of Democrats could have done. Obviously, fake news. The, the reason why they were, again, I, I don't, think this can be repeated enough. The reason why they even enjoy the power that they do thanks to the election that they stole is because there was things that could be done to at least lessen the blow of digging out of what we dug ourselves into back in 2020. And they were afraid that Donald Trump would actually do this. This woman, you know, absence makes the, the heart grow fonder. I mm -hmm. cannot stand this woman. Yeah. The condescension 
just the, the condescension that she has for just basically everybody except for the narrative that she wants. I just cannot stand that. Because the, the, the truth is, and she is a master manipulator of words and terms, the truth is, it is like 360, uh, 720 degrees opposite. There's not a lot that the Democrats could have done. We're in this place because they're doing this on purpose, and she yeah. knows that. Todd? Yeah, I agree entirely, but that's why I'm saying it's uh, not fake news. The, the lie is the point, which is there is nothing they could have done because they want this to happen. But I agree entirely with Aaron. Next clip, if my projections are correct, this is Tiffany Smiley, the next U.S. Senator from the state of Washington. I'm actually honored to be endorsed by the American Conservation Coalition along with um, the Conservative Coalition for Climate Sol Solutions. I believe in taking care of our planet. You know, Senator Murray really did uh, believe in, in protecting our environment. Then I don't know why she sold our energy to Russia. Because last time I checked, Russia doesn't have any environmental standards. She waged, waged war on our American energy independence, which is costing our gas prices to skyrocket. It simply does not have to be this way. I what do you think of that tactic? Fake news or not? So did I just hear that correctly? She she went, a Republican went over the top rope on the environment. Is that what I heard? Is it? What did you think you heard? I don't want to answer it for you. I don't want to. No, that's. I don't want to influence your answer. And where is it? What state did Washington, it? Washington State? Okay, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely true news. I mean, the, the, yeah, rep, Republicans may be winning out there, but they're not winning because they're they're suddenly, you know, the second coming of Ronald Reagan. That's not happening. They absolutely, you've got to pay this tithe, uh, no doubt out there. And honestly, this having just experienced it uh, this week at. Uh, of mass when a deacon who normally doesn't do the homily somehow was given the go-ahead and he just decided to go full environmental wacko i nearly walked up so i can totally this is this is true news aaron i don't know what degree of chess that was that i just heard because i want to believe i want to believe that you know, there's there's an actual functioning worldview when it comes to environmentalism. It's just that 90, 95 percent of it, even on the right and especially in, as Todd just mentioned, the American church has been co-opted by the global warming Greta Thunberg scam. So can I take an or on this for the fake news or not? Kind of like a hold. I, I'm, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm going to take an or. Wrong day. Wrong day. I'm, I'm taking sorry. an or on yeah. the fake news or not. Yeah. So I got to tell you, I, I, I didn't know what a Tiffany Smiley was like until a yeah, week and a half no ago because I wasn't even paying attention oh. to the race. Okay. I thought that was a masterful answer. Knowing who her audience is though, and here's why, it's not even the whole, well, uh, conservative climate solutions garbage. I mean, you're right. That's you, when you called it paying a tie to that electorate, you're right about that. What I loved about it was coming off the top rope and clubbing her with a Russia narrative. That's what I liked. <laughs> okay. I don't know. That Tiffany Smiley. I don't know anything about her. I don't know if she's any good. I don't have a clue. Like I said, I didn't know what her name was that's, until like a week and a half ago. That's the two for one special. Yes, right there. that is the two for one. That's a BOGO right there. Yeah. By the way, you're a Russian stooge. Yes, <laughs> I, know. I 
just thought that was it was like she was like looking to mix that in i just thought that was masterful i don't i don't i just liked that part of it but i didn't that's why i didn't want to answer your question until you guys gave your answers i didn't want to you know prejudice prejudice the jury here all right and oh by the way stop slurping putin while you're at it all right okay next Kyrie Irving. Kyrie, while we're on the topic of promotion, why did you decide to promote something that Alex Jones said? That was a few weeks ago. I do not stand with Alex Jones' position, narrative, court case that he had with Sandy Hook or any of the kids that felt like they had to relive trauma or parents that had to relive trauma or to be dismissive to all the lives that were lost during that. Uh, tragic event. My my post was a post from Alex Jones that he did in the early 90s or late 90s about secret societies in America of occults, and it's true. So I wasn't identifying with anything of being a campaigning a campaignist for Alex Jones or anything. I was just there to post, and it's funny, and it's actually hilarious because out of all the things I posted that day, that was the one post that everyone chose to chose to see. It just goes back to the way our world is and works. I'm not here to complain about it. I just exist. And he goes on to say, stop dehumanizing me mm-hmm. to that reporter. Too. Mm-hmm. All right. So fake news or not, Aaron? That's not fake news. I mean, when an NBA player, pick and choose any NBA player, gets asked something like that, a loaded question from one of these I assume probably uh, a little uh, a little twerp sports reporter. You kind of grip because you think they might lose composure. But Kyrie's a weird dude. But that was a pretty pretty decent rebuttal, I think. So uh, not fake news. Todd, you know there's there's no way he was going to post that after that hearing. I mean, it, it, this would be different if it was, you know, two, three months ago now, because I think he posts a lot of weird stuff. But I still think ultimately the the reporter is just fake news. And this is... I, th- I hate this entire... Yeah. This topic. Yeah. I'm, it's mm-hmm. like... A, there's bile raising. I'm trying to think of... I'm trying to think of something relevant to say. And yeah, like, like what is what is... What is the legit journalism reason we have to ask Kyrie Irving about yeah. social media posts unless he's like threatening somebody or something or anybody else for that matter? Why do we have to ask him? I agree. If it's not in the context of what they do or why you're talking to yeah. them, you know, I can understand where you're asking, you know, Donald Trump about a social media post, if, you know, politically, but it, it, it's just because you're trying to enforce the narrative and agenda. Yes. Yeah. The wait is over. The Chosen Season 3 begins in theaters November the 18th. You can see the first two episodes of the beloved series, third season. 
And you can get tickets. It's in movie theaters across the country. If you go to thechosentickets.com, thechosentickets.com. The theme this season, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest from Matthew eleven twenty eight. Available now at thechosentickets.com. That's thechosentickets.com. Episodes one and two debut. November the 18th in theaters, and then right around Christmas time is when the rest of the season comes out for free on the Chosen app. But you can get the theatrical experience. They had a ton of success with this last year. Uh, they put some episodes out there. They did a Christmas special, actually, and had huge response in theaters. So thechosentickets.com. Again, thechosentickets.com. So um, Pop Culture Tuesday. And not even you are going to bah humbug this one when it comes to being too early for Christmas. Talk to me. Jules Bass, who is one half of the creative duo known as Rankin and Bass, passed away about a week ago at the age of 87. If you are... Well, really, any current generation of living Americans. There are very few things, whether you are the last vestiges of the greatest generation, you're the boomers, you're Gen Xers like Todd and I, millennials like Aaron, Gen Z, Gen Y. The, um, there are very few things that cross generations and unite people in our current culture today. Rankin Bass, well, they didn't just do Christmas. They did holidays aplenty, but the Rankin Bass Christmas specials would be one of them. One of the longest running concurrent television shows in American history is their magnum opus on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Maybe there's Frosty the Snowman. Santa Claus has come into town. My favorite, which I happen to also think is the most underrated Christmas special ever. And it was done with full animation, not the stop motion animation that the other ones I mentioned were done with. That's Twas the Night Before Christmas with Joel Gray is playing the dad and uh, does the musical numbers. That's just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Nestor, the long-eared Christmas donkey, which talks about the birth of Christ. I mean, the, the Rankin-Bass Christmas specials are true American treasures. The, the, the kind of thing that gets grandfathered in that I just don't know if, if two guys at their age, when they launched this series of specials 50 years ago, if they walked into any major TV, mainstream TV network or a streaming platform today and said, here's what we want to do. I, I don't know that, that any of them would do it. Do you? Mm-mm. Any of them. Would any no, of them, no. not the, I mean, but the way that these were done, would any of them do it? No. I don't, I don't, at the very least, I think it's an open, openly debated question. And as much of a Christmas slap as I am, but, you know, when I was growing up and VCRs were still kind of new and expensive, this was appointment television. There was no guarantee you were going to get a chance. You missed it the night it was on. There was no guarantee you were going to watch it again until next year, right? It was a big deal to, to make sure you were watching these specials. My kids 
all still love these. They still, even, you know, as cynical teenagers or now married uh, women, when we watch Christmas stuff together, we'll ask to watch these Christmas specials. They are true American treasures. And Jules Bass and his partner uh, with the Rankin Bass production team, how much joy did they bring to just countless Americans, generations of Americans? And so for Pop Culture Tuesday, we don't get too many opportunities when we talk about this segment, it is usually talking about the disintegration of a lot of our cherished pop culture traditions into woke madness and the abyss, right? But here, actually, what we're talking about is something that has, tra- has managed to transcend all of that and maintained its idealism, its innocence, its, um, its youthfulness, its inspiration, And uh, to mark the occasion of his sad passing at the age of 87, I just thought we should take a few minutes here today during Pop Culture Tuesday and talk about that. Because the amount of people in our audience whose lives have not been touched in some way, shape, or form in a positive way by the work of Rankin and Bass is probably very, very small, Todd. Yeah, this is good stuff. I'm in. Totally in. How are we doing this? I mean, do we have a, are we watching videos or? I don't think copyright wise we can do that, which is why I didn't suggest it to Mm. Aaron. Um, When we were a small independent show, we could do stuff like that all the time and no one came after us because nobody cared. But now that we are on a big time network, we kind of can't do stuff like that anymore. I I remember under, what amazed me is the amount of time it took to craft these. Mm -hmm. And as a, after you watch them, the first times, you know, it's just the magic. But then you get a little older, and you, you and it becomes the ceremony of the season. And you talk about it with your family, and your parents tell you, you know, how 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 painstaking the work was to do this, and that added another layer of magic uh, to it. Uh, that people cared enough about this season that they would labor like that uh to to make sure that the, the the experience would be unforgettable nothing about this uh was mailed in so i yeah i and it's amazing in one sense we talk about and steve particularly uh, you as a you know science fiction guy special effects driven stuff um i guess on one level you can say if you're utterly cynical that it you know it doesn't hold up quote to cgi mm-hmm. but i don't if you have any real spirit in you i i i would totally counter that and and, and disagree because again they they weren't they, they did not mean to just mass produce something in the profiteering sense of Christmas, uh, there is real spirit and soul to these productions. And therefore the way they did it is I think, I say, I don't think you could, if we were watching those exact same products, but with modern CGI, I don't, I think something would absolutely be lost. I think the way you just described it, the spirit in them, that kind of transcends our technological advances and things of that nature through the ages. Um, I, I think that's 
that's the Imago day. I mean, I think that is the, the, this is, you know, when we talk about on our show, the difference between being totally depraved, meaning that, that, that sin has become so overwhelming to the human experience that even if we tried, we could not initiate a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. He would have to, he would have to do something to make himself available, a holy God to make himself available to us. But there's a difference between that, right? Fully reestablishing the, 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 the pre purposed and determined and original relationship we were to have with our creator and what it means to be utterly depraved, meaning we can't recognize goodness in any form when we see it. We don't seek after some form of inspiration beyond ourselves. We don't want to be inspired. We don't, we don't want to um, leave a, a legacy more positive than that, which was bestowed upon us, right? We're not utterly depraved. We are still carrying the, the Imago day. And I think that's what this series of specials taps into, even if it's just Frosty the Snowman, man. It's just the idea that goodness is there, is maybe the best way I would put it. That there are, there, it is possible for there to be some things that are just, as you like to put it, Todd, good, true, and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the spirit that makes my kids, you know, of course, growing up with me, we're all into the latest technology and things of that nature. My kids never, ever watched any of these and thought to themselves, oh right. my gosh, this is so lame. They were bought right. in from the first time they ever heard, you know, Burl Ives yeah, sing, yeah. okay? Because there's something eternal there there's a there is something eternal that they tap into with the wholesome winsomeness and inspiration of what they tried to do yeah. with these specials Aaron what are your thoughts I'm kind of uh, uh, kind of uh, loathe you right now because I was just going to bring up good true and beautiful hmm. my bad how dare you I mean read my mind please uh, this I think what st sticks out to Rankin Bass Christmas er, specials to me is um, the 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 notion of innocence that even even the most jaded adult, if they just allow themselves for just a moment to watch one of these specials. You're allowed to you're allowed to feel a, a little sense of innocence mm -hmm. again, mm -hmm. like all is right in the world. Mm -hmm. and I think why that is so powerful is because in the garden, Adam and Eve were they innocent before they knew sin, not not in the justice sense, but in they they didn't know. That was the ideal. God's creation was the ideal. It was the pinnacle, and it was for us. That's what I'm talking about in terms of innocence. And so when you as a kid get to watch this, you get, you're still hopefully innocent. You get to get lost in peace on earth, goodwill toward, towards men. Mm -hmm. You get lost in, man, mom and dad or mom or dad, love me a lot, going to get some presents or Santa Claus is coming. You get lost in just the good, true, and beautiful. 
And I think that fades as you get into adulthood. But still, if you just allow yourself, if you just allow yourself a half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour to watch any of these, you can tap back into that. And that is worthwhile. Now, it's not worthwhile as a pastime. Too many of us have way too many comforts, accoutrements, distractions that attempt to plug that hole, whatever hole we have. But for a moment, these things, more than maybe any other secular or not explicitly, I guess, um, ministerial piece of content and media, more than any other, allow us to bask in the way that God intended things to be and his design for things. That's a very long-winded way of saying taps into the innocence again that was lost or that is being lost and it allow us, allows us to imagine the good, true, and beautiful again. Well said. We'll get some final thoughts here in a second after I remind you about our friends over at Jace Medical. Who knows, maybe the next time they try to kill you by not letting you have access to a medication that might help you during a medical emergency. It might not be a Nobel Prize winning drug like ivermectin. It might be an even more venerable drug like penicillin, doxycycline. I mean, we, we watch them try to discredit aspirin, inhalers during covid don't take anything for granted. Uh, go to our friends at Jace Medical right now. J-A-S-E is how it is spelled. J as in Jeff. J-A-S-E at Jace Medical. Uh, they'll help uh, give you the peace of mind of knowing that your family will have what they need should uh, the medical supply get Let's Go Brandon once again like it did during COVID. Get a pack of five different courses of antibiotics that you can use to treat a long list of infections and illnesses. Jace makes medical preparedness easy and affordable, takes just a few minutes, and the medication is then dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost, and they'll even give you an additional 10% off when you use my code DACE10, D-E-A-C-E, DACE10, my code, when you go to jacemedical.com, J as in Jeff, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Promo code DACE10 for 10% off. Gentlemen, any uh, final thoughts here in the final two minutes of the show? On the spots, top three Rankin Bass, which you probably have this memorized. For me, yeah. um, it, it's um, Twas the Night Before Christmas is number one. Nestor the Long-Eared Christmas Donkey is number two. And you got to go with the OG, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, for number three. It's got to be in your top three somewhere. For me, it's Rudolph, Frosty, uh, and probably Twas the Night Before Christmas. Is the Frosty the classic one? Is that Rankin? Yeah, that is? yeah. I mean, and they worked with. I mean, they worked with people like Jimmy Durante, uh, Burl Ives, oh, yeah, Mickey Rooney. I mean, they they worked with. You know, they weren't just Bing Crosby. Yeah, I mean, people in the, in the when they were making these in the '60s and '70s, they weren't just dealing with you know G-list celebrities here. You know, I mean, they worked with some big names as well. Yeah, I would uh, Rudolph the, uh, the what's Santa is coming to town. Santa that, Claus is coming to town. That's Mickey yeah. Rooney. Yeah, yeah, um, and I I suppose Frosty. I th- those are the three most memorable ones for me. Any quick thoughts on Rich Barris telling me I'm smart? Your thoughts? I think America wants to know, or at least I do. Todd, you got anything? Well, this is just <laughs> <laughs> it's like. 
That's <laughs> feeding your ego. Get out of here. Todd, you go. It, it seems to be like you're either speaking. Hey, if I may borrow from that ridiculous newscaster, but flip the script, you, you either get the obvious here or you're a conspiracy. I mean, the true conspiracy theorist. I think Nate Silver over there is saying it's a flip of a coin for the Senate right now. That's Steve, incredible. Steve, what'd you say? It's 56. Mm-hmm. He said it's, fi- I mean, it's incredible. They're just, they're just rank propagandists over here and they're just not going to say the and, truth. And it's, it's so hard to fight these people, but so easy at the same time because they don't, they, they're not used to pushback. But they are slippery when you are not moored to any mm-hmm. version of morality, any vo- version of ethics at all. Listen, they cast a narrative before the election, whether it's affirmed or whether it's blown up, they still win. If it's blown up, they can say, well, obviously the Republicans stole it. All the polls said, uh, you know, this was not going to happen. But if it's affirmed, hey, all the polls were right. This happened. They have it both ways because they're slippery, because they're liars, because they're, you know, the sons and daughters of the liar and the serpent was craftier than the other creatures in the garden mm-hmm. john three seventeen. this is steve dace on the blaze radio network